Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. A people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. It is a beautiful Sunday morning at the end of a beautiful week. And it is now Sports Sunday time. Here we go. 9 to 11 a.m. Me, Rashad, Joe, with you till 11 o'clock today. Gang's all here. Gang's all here. I'm Big back. Joe's from, in the building. I'm back from Jersey. Yeah, the entire gang is here. We got Medium Joe. Yep. We got Joe the Third. Ah, he liked that. Uh-huh. We got me and you. We got a full show with you here. Yeah, man. And uh, I'm back from Jersey. Beautiful. Apparently, you guys outside. were making fun of me a little bit. We weren't making fun of you. It's the 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 fans that were, you know. Oh, the text line. Yeah, hate it or love it. Lynch is gonna come back engaged. That's the first <laughs> thing I asked you when when you came in. Uh, and I went, <laughs> no. <laughs> Which makes me believe that yes. Uh, no. Okay. There is that. We've been dating for six months. Like, okay, it's not going to happen that fast. Hey man, Come on like now. Some people, that's six months too long. So I I don't know, man. I don't get it, but yeah, there are a lot of people. As that... someone who has now been married and divorced, I'm going to go way more cautiously into that world mm-hmm. moving forward. If I even go into that world moving forward. Yeah. You don't need to get married. Yeah, you're you right. just be together. Yeah. I don't know. I think, we'll see. I think, I think some, we'll see what happens. I think some people think of it a little different. Well, they, you know, like mayor's like, how long are you just going to make me your girlfriend or boyfriend? Or well, whatever. I understand that, but I do think that there is a difference if you've been married once before, if you both, because we both have, she's been yeah. married, I've been married. It's a little bit different than like someone who's wanting their first wedding and wanting to have that first experience. Like then that becomes an issue. Yes. But if you've both been married, which we both have, we've talked about it already. We were like, we'll kind of play it by ear. But I said to her very, very early on, I was like, I just, just so you know, after what happened, I don't know if I want to get married again. 
I might, but I just don't know. And she was like, okay, I understand. You know, I, that's kind of where I, I kind of I kind of feel the same way. I was that's like, where okay. it is for now. It's only been six months. Let, True. Let's let's make it two years and six months, and let's see if you know. I don't it's know, gonna man. be the same. Story. She's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. So I, I don't know if it's gonna cause any issues like that, but we'll see. We'll it see. shouldn't. She seems super cool. Too. Yeah, she is very cool. So. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she came back to visit uh, New Jersey for the first time and meet my parents and my family, and it went fantastic. And I was reminded how terrible it is to be an East Coast sports fan. Because it was Passover night, the night it was Saturday night. I had been drinking a lot, and it was 10 p.m. We went back to my parents' new apartment, which is near where my aunt and uncle lives, so we don't have to drive too far after Passover. Because a, the Sweet 16 game between Syracuse and Houston was on at 10 p.m. Eastern, and I had a fantasy baseball draft at 10:30 p.m. Eastern, and I'm sitting here going, "Who on earth could do this?" I lived there, and I realized I never once watched a West Coast game because I was never watching sports at 10 p.m. Yeah, there's other things that's to do like, at 10 p.m. That's like chill before bed if on a week work work day week, or you know you're out with people. Like I'm not watching sports at 10, especially if you're in you know a city like New York or New Jersey where there's stuff to do after 10 o'clock. Yeah, you know most people aren't staying now. If you go to the bar or something like that, and the Blazer game is on or the Lakers game, I think people stay up to watch the Lakers game. Yeah, like that's probably. Oh, I don't know about that, dude. Well, I mean, I, I think that most people. If you're LeBron, if LeBron is on your team, your Kobe was on your team. I you think, think that most people. To? It's think about it this way. On a normal night, for you, Rashad Taylor, right? If you're watching a late game and it ends at like nine thirty. Are you really amped up to watch another two to three hours of sports at 10 p.m.? No matter what. No, you. I mean, and I think you know I'm not. Right. So yeah. But most people are not. Yeah. Like like it's 10 p.m. You're like drinking some water and getting ready for bed and laying down and watching like, you know, scrolling on your phone or something. You're not watching the Lakers until midnight. <laughs> I guess it just depends if you're a night owl or an early riser. Yeah, I mean, like, there's uh, that too. I mean, I am definitely a night owl, so I don't go to bed until you know midnight, one o'clock, and sometimes and so you, you think know. if you were out there but see here's the thing you live here right yes. your sports viewing is done by like 9 30 unfortunately but most if nights I, if i could just unfortunately keep, if i could just keep watching sports all day and all night and you know fall asleep to a game or you know be lying in bed and watching an nba game or well so what do you do now from 10 until when you go to sleep i ball on 2k, 2K i'm playing sports say, you would lose your 2k time because you'd be watching that sporting event well i got multiple screens you know <laughs> pop something on the ipad while i'm playing 2k you know all right. so that's dedication that's dedication, dedication that i don't have because even like during football season i say it all the time like oh the first that 10 o'clock game or the 10 o'clock games like i'm there for you know but as i'm watching football all day like by the time we get to the afternoon three o'clock game i'm like all right well you, need, you are i need a break you are famous for your nap in the middle of the second man, that, games that's a that's an important time like today is easter so i'm probably not going to get that nap you know uh in the oh, that's right today is easter yes it is happy, happy easter, easter for everybody. those of you guys who are celebrating indeed man so yeah it's it's i need that extra time because i want to wake up and be like okay 5 30 game is on you know sunday night game now i'm a little more amped mm -hmm. for that like but if i have to watch football or basketball all day that's why i never want to take a day off for the tournament stay at home and just watch college basketball all day that sounds terrible well i think the idea sounds before awful. covid was you would go to a bar and watch college basketball yeah. all day that would be a little different yeah, either way like i don't still don't want to watch college <laughs> basketball all day like i think that would be just torture you know honestly i i did it this year 
I watched the first two rounds, the first four days. I was here at work, so I mean, it wasn't fully watching it, but I watched from 9 a.m. until the end of the last game, all four of the first four days. Right. And I loved it. It was fantastic. But I didn't watch all the Sweet 16, and I didn't watch all the Elite Eight, partially because I'd watched way too much last the weekend prior. Also, the games turned out to be kind of mediocre in those two rounds. But I was just, I, I was kind of sitting there, and I remember it was, it was, uh, it was, well, I guess I was in New Jersey, but I was, yeah, I was in New Jersey, and I, I, I was, I was like, oh, like, we're just sitting, we could put something on the TV. I was like, nah, I'm not going to put the game on because I'd burned myself out already. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's only so much when you're watching it concurrently that you can keep doing. Yeah. And then it's I like, feel like for college, for especially for the tournament, it's almost like overload, you know, because it's, it's on like seven different channels. You know, it's on ESPN, it's on True TV, it's on TNT. It's it's on four channels. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everywhere. I always set up so. a favorites list on my remote so I can just be like, Bloop, 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 yeah, and bloop, so yeah, so most of those channels are on my favorites. Yeah, so as so I go to TNT, yep, there it is. Yep, go to True TV to watch. There it, it. is. Like, there it is. TBS and CBS. You know, so it was it's kind Easy of one of those things. But I mean, I watched the Oregon, some of Oregon State. I watched some of U of O. I watched our local teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, like I've, I've watched some Gonzaga play because I just, just like watching. You know, they are very play. good. But outside of that, well, I'll be honest, I haven't really been invested as much in this tournament well, we, this year we did talk about it a couple weeks ago there's not gonna be any office pools or there weren't any office pools really so that kind of takes some of it away you're not competing with coworkers right. on oh how's your bracket doing you're not rooting for these upsets and also it's just i honestly think for a lot of people and maybe this isn't the case for everyone joe is you know proving otherwise but ever since covid my sports viewing has changed you know i was forced I mean, I have a lot of other hobbies, but I was forced to do other things for five months last year, right? From March until late July, early August. What is that? Is that five months? Yeah, four or five months. We didn't have any sports, right? Right. And I think for me personally, I learned that I enjoy the other things as much as I enjoy watching sports. So sometimes... Now, when I have sports back, I'm going to choose something else over sports. I think we realized Unless how... Unless it's baseball, I always watch baseball. Well, I think we realized how, you know, that sports is important, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, everything. You know, for, for this job, it's absolutely everything because well, we... Well, it's, it's not everything, I but mean, it's important. I mean, for this particular job, as far as talking sports, it was pretty important. Like, it was, there was a lot of dry shows in between there, like, you know, as far well, as... Well, I think just, we did a fine job. I think we did a great job talking about you know, COVID and sports. And that was pretty much every storyline that we had at that point, you know, kind of had to do with it. But I agree with you in the sense that, man, if you didn't find more to life during this stretch of not being around people and not being at work, or if, if you were working remotely and stuff like that, then man, you haven't been paying attention. Like if you didn't come out like, man, that's, I, I found out that I like doing this, or I found out that I'm really good at doing this. Like, you know, it's kind of one of those things. So I, I, I agreed with that, and it's awesome to have it back. I'm not going to say that we definitely don't need it, but it's we found out that, man, we can survive for a while without it, and I think that's important. This text says, I love the late-night West Coast Conference games when I lived in Connecticut, but football games starting at 1 p.m. sucks, though. Yeah. yeah I love terrible. the 10 a.m. start now because, I, I mean, most people are awake by that point unless you're really, really sleeping in from a hard night of drinking or something, and it's like – Waiting until what you wake up and you got four hours to kill and then football starts. It's, that sucks. It's awesome to get up and turn on, you know, 
Channel 2, and yep. man, boom, there's the, the big Saturday game. Sometimes 9 a.m. college yeah. football will start. So, so that's, that, being on the West Coast, man, that you know East Coast game starts at 7.30, perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will admit that would be one of the crappy parts about being on the East Coast because rolling out of bed and going to the living room couch in your and robe and then you just pop on the TV, football right away. And right. Then, yeah. On the East Coast, you pop on the TV and it's like Rachel Ray. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Damn it. Now I got to kill three, four hours with the family to figure out something, act like I'm enjoying this before I mm-hmm. get to spend my actual Sunday doing what I want. This sucks. It's the, it's the perfect place to do it. I, I've heard some people argue that like mountain time is better because it's moved over just one hour later. So it'd be like an 11 a.m. start for football. But I don't know. I think I, I think the 10 a.m. start is perfect. 10 a.m. is perfect here in the, you know, on the West Coast. But I think that 1, a, 1 p.m. start, if you're, you know, on the East Coast, that's the honey-do list time. Like, if you are in any type of relationship and if you do have, mm-hmm. you know, kids and stuff like that, yeah, I can go to Home Depot from 9 a.m. until 11, get some food and stuff like that, maybe stop at Target if we need to, and then, man, be back home by first game, 1 o'clock. Like, that's 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 pretty awesome. You know, I mean, if you look at it like that, like you can get a lot of stuff in the daytime done and then kind of, man, have the rest of your day for football. Well, we mentioned watching the tournament. What we had last night was one of the more incredible games we've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying it is one of the best college basketball games in history. Not the best, but one of the best, to be clear. There have been a lot of great college basketball games. And we're going to have some audio for you coming up next of a couple of the calls of what was an absolutely bonkers final eight seconds in UCLA Gonzaga. And uh, we'll discuss that game next. This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine seventeen here on your Sunday morning. It's Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad, Joe, with you until eleven o'clock. Last night we had a a chance and and the pleasure of watching one of the great college basketball games in recent memory and maybe all time. Houston and Baylor. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? I didn't watch that game because I thought it was going to be terrible, and boy, was I right. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. It was bad. However, Gonzaga UCLA was not terrible. Gonzaga-UCLA goes to overtime. Now, Gonzaga was a huge favorite in the game. Remember, UCLA is an 11 seed. Yeah, one eleven. They were the play-in 11 seed. And they made it all the way to the Final Four. And force Gonzaga, the undefeated Bulldogs, who had coasted through the tournament the entire way so far, force them to overtime and force them to make one of the sickest shots we've seen in a very, very long time. A basically half-court bank shot heave by freshman superstar who will be a top pick in this year's draft, Jalen Suggs. It was absolutely an incredible game. I I thought, I mean, I didn't see the whole game. I saw like the last four minutes of the game. And I turned it on enough. in the second half. That yeah. was that. And that was enough. Like whenever you get an ending like that and you see the ending, like validated, like I don't need to see anything else. Like that part was super cool. Like first the, the rebound on the other end, like, we forget that, you know, the, the game got tied up with, like, you know, six seconds left in the game. Yep. You know, I don't think they had any timeouts at that point either. So, overtime as well. So, the game gets tied up. It's like, damn, okay, they're going to go to another overtime. 
Not so. Jalen Suggs, a name you should remember you yes. know, at this point because he's probably going to be uh, talked about a whole, whole lot as we move forward. If but he goes to the draft, which he should, he'll who, be a top three pick this who, year. Who prior to that shot was one for four from three. Yeah. So didn't have a, I mean, 25%, you know, b- before that. So he is a freshman. But, so, you know, so, but he still had a, a pretty good game, 16 points, five rebounds, something like that, you know, so he played a solid game, but no shot bigger uh, for him or his school than that one. Like it, and just think if UCLA wins this game, it's not going to be what a great game UCLA played. It's going to be what the hell happened to Gonzaga. Yeah. It's like, gonna... How did they melt down like that against the 11? So they needed that shot. Mark few needs to need hit that shot because that we've in college basketball. And we talked about this once before, really kind of, I, I think more in, in, in uh, college basketball and the NFL, one championship will last you forever. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Jim Beheim has how many one and, and he's still, you know, the, the, the coach over there is still doing things. Thanks to or, Carmelo Anthony and Hakeem Moore blocking know, a shot, blocking an, an amazing shot by a Portland kid, you know, but it's just kind of, it wasn't an amazing shot if it was blocked. It was. It was going to be an amazing. It was going in. Like if you're from if you're from Portland and you knew that man, you know Mike Lee was making that shot. Like that was just. It was just one of those. You know, it's, it's, it was a no brainer, as we like to say. But you can sustain, you know, yourself for years and years to come if you have one national championship. If you have one Super Bowl ring, like we saw Mike McCarthy coast for ten years from one ring, basically. You know, so that can kind of catapult you to a different level. But Mark Few is just. He's known as that coach that gets close, gets to the final four, but just can't, you know, can't get over that hump. So this he needed this shot uh really more than than Jalen Suggs did, but it was it was a great shot and one of the best shots in college or that I've seen, or one of the best shots in in, in I don't know if it's history, but I thought it was a great shot, but there's been some other really, really good shots and clutch moments to to win games. Well, what you mentioned though is important to to note is you're right. UCLA probably wouldn't have gotten a lot of love for winning over Gonzaga because this was the question about the Zags the entire year was when they get into a close game, how are they going to finish? Because they really hadn't played any close games. And that was holding true in the tournament as well. They were just slaughtering teams. They looked so good in their Elite Eight and Sweet 16 games that this was the put-up-or-shut-up moment for Gonzaga. It was you're getting pushed to the limit, and every time you threaten to pull away, because there was a couple times in the second half you know, it was tied. It was two-point game. Then Gonzaga would go up six. You're like, oh, here comes the pull away. And then UCLA would get right back into it. Mm-hmm. Then Gonzaga would go up by four. And then it would stay like that for like five minutes. And then UCLA would take a one-point lead. And it was like, okay, Gonzaga really is, has a fight on their hands. Well, they proved it. Right now, it took a heroic shot. But they proved that they could win a close game. UCLA deserves to be considered a good team based on where they are in the tournament, right? It's one of those things where you're like, oh, it's only an 11 seed, but UCLA had to beat a lot of good teams to get to yeah, this point. A lot of top seeds to get to the final four. And they have a toughness about them watching that game. Mick Cronin has that team playing tough. Mick Cronin used to be the Cincinnati head coach, if you don't remember. He was very good there. Took the UCLA job and kind of for the last two years hasn't really been a story. And I felt like both he and USC this year with Andy Enfield – who was the dunk city coach at uh, Florida Gulf coast what was that four or five years ago. And there were a 15 seed that won two games um, or three games. Maybe it kind of felt like they were sleeping. Once they got to the pac 12, it's like they lost some of the buzz and like, okay, we got to rebuild a program. Now both those schools seem back. No. Yeah. And also how about a, just a great finishing touch for the pac 12 who had a wonderful tournament. Y- yes. You lost the game, 
but you got a team into the final four. You push the best team in the country, arguably, but most likely the best team in the country to overtime, needing a game winning buzzer beating shot to beat you. Good job on the Pac-12. I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because I was out, but you know how much of this was the Pac-12 was a fluke? I don't think it was a fluke. I think you know, it's hard. It's hard to make a grand statement on on one tournament, but I feel much more confident saying that I think we were being biased against the Pac-12 for hoops because of how they've been the last few years going into this season. Because the Pac-12 basketball has not been very good. No, you know, only get a couple teams in the tournament, but this year. It was the coming out party, and now I feel like we should we should be giving more. It's not just a one tournament thing. I think this proves that these teams are getting getting to a point where they deserve more national respect. I mean, I don't want to say they're they're there, but what I will say is that this definitely helped out Pac-12 basketball. Pac-12 football, we know, is they're they're going to be um, a destination. You know, University of Oregon is still a destination. USC is still a destination to play college football. It's still one of the one of the blue bloods. In basketball, however, those kids are starting to go other places. You know, when Duke and North Carolina call, who aren't you know ba- football schools like that, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, most kids are gonna you know kind of flee and go there. But what this tournament did is it put showed that man, the Pac-12 is actually you know on an on an upkick. Man, you saw how how well the Ducks. Were able to play. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody, ab- absolutely, no one saw the Beavers coming from winning the uh, from winning the uh, Pac-12 tournament, I mean, all the way to making it to the Sweet 16. Like who would have been able to say the worst team in the Pac-12, which was predicted to be the Oregon State Beavers, yeah. would make it all the way to to that point to where you're representing not just your school, but you the the, the Northwest. You know what I'm saying? Pacific Northwest. You know, I, you're kind of representing that if you're Oregon and Oregon State. I will say, although USC did not show this against Gonzaga, by the way. But I will say that generally the thing that I learned this year from the Pac-12 in the tournament is the the team play of all of them, mm-hmm. right? You know, the, Oregon State did not have – well, I mean, you had Thompson, but you didn't really have a true star player. Right. But they were able to win those games based on – this is going to sound kind of cliche and, and kind of – maybe it sounds like it's a put-down, but it's not. With, with hard work and that extra effort and the energy – all of that stuff coming together as a team is what pushed Oregon State over some of those teams like Tennessee, mm-hmm. who played with no energy in that game, in that first game, and just winning multiple. Loyola Chicago just embarrassed the top seed in Illinois, like the second best team in the country, according to most people, destined to go play Gonzaga in the final. They embarrassed them, and Oregon State beat them, and it, and it was a close game the entire way through. UCLA played with so much grit and energy in every single game. We saw it from Oregon. We saw it from USC in a couple of those games as well. Those teams were all playing with that. There was like an extra level yeah. that oftentimes in college basketball you don't see because you got a bunch of freshmen or you got a bunch of Mimi star players who are trying to get a lot of shots, uh, especially lately because, you know, guys are leaving so early out of college. You're just, it's, like, it's just a factory of young guys going in and playing college hoops. It felt like that was the difference, and I think that's a good thing. If the Pac-12 wants to make that their image, then great. I think that's a great image to have in a sport that is getting harder and harder to watch I, on a regular basis. I think what it is, too, is, you know, by the time you get to tournament time, you've played, you know, what, 17, you know, 20 games, 20-some-odd 20 games? 30 you know? games. Well, uh, before the tournament? Mm-hmm. So 30 games before the tournament. So by the time you get to game 20, you know, maybe 19, hopefully your team has kind of figured each other out. And that's kind of what it looked like happened with Oregon State. They got to a point to where it's like they were always just trying to figure out how each other – worked and then they kind of finally and it happened right at the at the correct moment in the tournament 
And in the tournament, they figured out exactly how to play together, and they just were able to sustain that level of play all the way through. This happens a lot. This is why you'll be able to see a Wichita State come out of nowhere and be like, man, who the hell are these guys? But they started playing at the right time, and I think that just happened for Oregon and Oregon State. We kind of knew USC and UCLA would be, not, I'm not saying in the mix, but at least in the tournament. You know, Oregon. Well, not UCLA. UCLA was one of the last teams in. Excuse me, USC yeah. and uh, Oregon. And Oregon. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we kind of we didn't know much about the other teams as far as how how far they would actually make it. So for the Pac-12, you had a bunch of guys, a bunch of teams that probably weren't supposed to be there. You know, I think Oregon State was ranked the it's like the 91st ranked team in the country at the end of the season. Like something they did not stupid. finish the season very yeah, good. Yeah, no. something something really dumb. So nobody expected them to be there. And what do you know? They went and they made some noise. And if you're a basketball player here in the state of Oregon or in the Northwest. Man, you might have put Oregon State on your list because it looks like, man, I can I can go there and play. That's, that could be fun. So for uh, recruiting and everything, I think it, it did wonders for schools like USC, UCLA, Oregon State that are trying to really get themselves back into that mix. Well, let's relive the moment from last night. Coming up next, we have four different or five different calls from the games, including the national call, the UCLA radio call, the Gonzaga radio call, which apparently has Adam Morrison on it. Uh, the Westwood One National Radio call, and actually a Russian call <laughs> as well. So we'll get to that next, but first, Joe Sports. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.33 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad, Joe with you until 11 a.m. It's an old throwback. It is. It's just from like our first. It is. You know, when we first started doing. This is like six years ago now. Yeah. This song was very popular. Yeah. It's almost been seven years. Like, it'll be seven years later this month, bro. Is it, that, is it this month? It is this month, man. Hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. Time flies. It it definitely does. Man. It doesn't feel like seven years. It, just, it feels it, like like three years, it does doesn't not. it? <laughs> like I saw a picture of me holding my son, who's about to be ten uh, in August, but it was during Hunt for the Host, and he's like two, <laughs> and he was freaking out. And um, I got a great picture uh, of him or him me holding him. I was like, damn, it was like two years old, man. Like that was so long ago. That's a very long time so, ago. That's crazy. Let's relive the moment from last night. I remember. I remember it happened yesterday. I hope I remember. I was sitting on the couch and I was kind of like, ha I was watching the game, but I was on my phone and I looked up and I saw UCLA make the layup and he hits that shot. And I just, I jumped up. It's one of, it was one of those where you have the visceral, uh, 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 you're not able to control yourself reaction where I sat up and just went, holy bleep. And like yelled it loudly in my apartment. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I put my hands on my head. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. It's one of the, it's one of those where it happens like once a year in sports where you just go, Oh my God, without realizing that you're doing it from watching something. And then this was that. So let's relive the moment. First, this was the national call on CBS with Jim Nance and Bill Raftery onions. And that again, Bruins with a shot to tie it or win it. For 12 seconds. Zang. Again with the ball in his hands. In the paint. Floater. Short. Got it back. Ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Sox for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Perfect season. 
remains on go. Are you? Oh my God! There is. There are onions, Jim, and then there are major onions with a kiss. Oh my goodness! One of the great games. I love Raptory's onions. And I love that Jim Nance's voice was cracking. He was so excited at the end of that call. I, I, that's the thing is when you're watching it live, you miss the call. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're reacting. Because so, you're, you're, you're reacting. Yeah. You're so wrapped up. So I didn't hear the call. Uh, I just sent this to Joe without listening. I was like, oh, I want, I want to do this today. And that's <laughs> Jim Nance like messes up his line. He's like, the perfect season is a still go <laughs> is still go you're like what yeah, <laughs> it doesn't so matter he, he doesn't matter he's no, excited it, it really doesn't man you can you can say anything like if someone cursed on hair when something like that happens you wouldn't be mad because mm-hmm. we'd all we all said we're the same all cursing thing. We, oh s like it's when dame makes that shot against first the houston shot you know a, f- a few years ago in the playoffs when he makes that shot that's more than a few years ago that's now. what like it's like what six years ago five years ago seven i think what, seven years ago? Right. Jeez, please, man. What but, year was that? Was that 2013? Uh, either 13 or 14, yeah. So, around Jeez, there. Yeah. long time ago, man. So, almost a decade ago when Dame hit that that shot, I don't think anybody I was around didn't say, oh, S-word. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think everybody, you know what I'm saying, kind of had that reaction. So, it been it would have been awesome if, if, you know, Nance was like, holy it. Oh, excuse me, guys, but that would have been awesome. That would have went viral within seconds. All right, so let's hear the national radio call from Westwood One. Actually, I'm Actually? going to give you the Gonzaga radio call first because okay. I have that queued up. Okay, okay, go, so. fine, 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 sorry. To the right side of the floor, defended by Kispert now. Drives, leans in, the runner comes up short, choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 93 seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way, pull up three for the win. Yes! Yes! Set yes! of the championship game! He knocked no! from 40 at the buzzer! Yes! The Bulldogs! Wow! Play for a national championship! So that was Adam Morrison as the, as the color guy? Uh, yes, that was wow. Adam Morrison. Yes! <laughs> That's you awesome. Could, you could feel... Because they showed it in the game, uh, and they showed it in the game yesterday when they were playing UConn when Adam Morrison was there, and the, and Gonzaga blew the huge lead, and then they missed the shot, and then had the ball stolen, and UConn wound up winning the game. That was like Adam Morrison exercising all of the demons. Oh, absolutely! Because they showed it in the game, he's just bawling on the court, and you know he never got a chance after that, and he. I'm you know, pretty sure flamed out in the NBA. that was against UCLA. That was against UCLA. Was that UCLA? Yeah. Is that the crying on the floor game? Which makes this like even more poetic. For whatever reason, I thought that was UConn. Was okay. that the crying on the floor game? Yeah. When he, yeah. When he broke down towards it. Oh, I was so angry at Adam Morrison for doing that. Well, oh, that, I was so mad, bro. You still had so much time on the clock. Get up. That was Adam Morrison oh. exercising those demons. Yes! yes! Yep, right there. <laughs> yes! Yeah. I mean... That's that's well. I mean, it would be hard for me if this is this thing. If this is our home team, you know, yeah. for and you're doing color at that point, and you used to play, and you not you not just used to play, but you were the guy. Yeah, probably the you were the original Gonzaga prob- superstar. Exactly, right? you're the you're the icon of that school. So yeah, you probably lose lose your s when that when that happens at that point. I think anybody does. All right, what's next, Joe? Uh, I got the UCLA call. All right, oh, somber. 
Juzang with eight, with seven, gets to the elbow, a floater, line drive, no, gets his own rebound, scores off the glass, 3.3 to go, here's Suggs at midcourt, two, one, a 32-footer, oh, oh my goodness, he banked it in, Gonzaga has won the game, wow, cry in your pillow, unbelievable, <laughs> Suggs hit a runner, bank shot going home, the Bruins are going home. Cry in your, in your pillow. pillow. <laughs> oh. Why would he say that? that that's pretty good. That's good, but it's <laughs> why was that the first thing that popped into his oh, mind? That's hilarious. Is everybody like listening in bed? Cry like that's Probably. that's a weird picture. And just at at bed uh, tonight when you are going to sleep and you think about this, yeah, just a nice little cry into the pillow. Just cry into the pillow. Just <laughs> give yourself a little cry. Cry yourself to sleep. Yeah, that's a. I, I always I always like to gauge a broadcaster based on their call when their team loses in a big game. And if they still show some excitement, but are somber about it, I like that a lot. I think it's funny, but kind of lame when the guy just goes, well, and they lost like that's kind of wow. cry in your pillow. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually, he actually screamed like, Oh, and then got somber. So it was, he still had the excitement of the moment in it, but was, was still a UCLA Homer. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I don't know if you. I don't know if anybody else out there listens in the same way I do, but I, I maybe it's just because I work in the industry and I'm like I listen for that kind of stuff. I always I always judge that call that that broadcaster based on that kind of a call. Maybe that's not good to do, but I do that anyway. I mean, I think you want real emotion. You want them to be professional. You do, but you also but want be emotion too. Yeah, you also want emotion. I don't want anybody. I don't want Ben Stein doing the 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 play by play. You know, I don't need that guy. And Gonzaga you know. wins. Yeah, and here Gonzaga wins. You know, but the, but when you lose a game, and yeah, it should be you should feel sadness. Well, you should feel somber. And I think just like after a shot like that, even if you are on the losing side of that, having to call that shot go down in that moment, how can you not have some sort of ah like yeah. reaction to that? Right, but that's a good thing. <laughs> like I, I like that. Yeah, you know? I do too. I I appreciate it because you're. Still, obviously, broadcasting and, you know, making the play-by-play call. And obviously, you're for the away team. But, again, it's just a, such a visceral visceral reaction to something that big that how can you just be like, oh, oh well. Oh. Honestly, so far, all it's of like, them have oh been. Oh, my God, dude. Are you kidding me? Have been great in their own right because you had Raptory going, major onions. <laughs> and Jim Nance's voice cracking. You had Adam Morrison losing his ass. And then you had cry into your pillow from the UCLA guy. All right, what's next, Joe? Um, well, I can give you uh, Sean McDonough and his voice cracking if you want that. Oh, what what was he calling it on? Was ES- that ESPN Radio? I oh, assume. that was radio. Okay, yeah, so we can Go give you some it. of that if it wants to uh, load. <laughs> good, good, good internet connection here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because uh, it's uh, also part of the Russian call as well. Oh, is it in the same clip? Yes, exactly. So, all right, it's not loading. I'll okay, get it here in a second. Okay, but yeah, these calls have been awesome. It's uh. It kind of, I don't know if you get the same way. Whenever it's a a really great sports moment and you hear the call again, this can even happen years down the road. I still get chills. They come into the back of my head. Like the back of my head gets like the waterfall feeling. And it's just, it's like you're watching it for the first time. And I'll get that. If I see, watch that clip next year, I will get that exact same actual physical feeling. I don't know if that happens to anybody else. Maybe I'm dying. Does it happen to you? For, for what now? <laughs> Maybe I like, have health issues. Just like if you're watching, it, after watching a game, 
and then you know you listen to that clip or like a month down the road you watch it again do you still get chills I get Sometimes, chills yeah, in my body. It, it depends on every it depends time. on the play. Yeah, there are certain all plays three just, of those clips. I got chills every yeah, time hearing there's, it. There are certain plays like that that you hear that just like because you remember where where you were. Like I remember where I was for Dame's first playoff win. I remember where I was. I was at home for the the OKC one, and I remember that feeling. So every time like I see that shot, I get that kind of what a what a good feeling that was dope. Or Brandon Roy's like fifty something point game. Like you know, certain times like yeah, that that felt good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it happens quite often. All right, we're going to go uh, three rapid fire. So it'll be ESPN McDonough, okay. Russia call, and then Westwood one. Okay. Oh, my. Guarded by Kispert. Eight seconds to go. Juzang, floater, short. He got his own rebound and scored with 3.3. Gonzaga for the win. Стоило это сделать с остановки. Флоутер не дает. Сапогирай забивает. Три секунды. Ответы останавливают. на победу. Да ладно! Да ладно, он выиграл этот матч. Да. How about some uh, Spanish real quick for you? Okay, one more. That's the best one. I don't care what anybody says. That's the greatest one right there. That one got me more hyped than anything. That, that one got me more hyped than anyone that I've heard. I like that one. That's my part, number one. Part of me wants them to do the goal celebration in yes. every sport that they call, though. Goal! Annoying in basketball because there'd be a lot of those. But <laughs> Every time could, a field goal goes in. They could only be for in. game winners. Though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's acceptable. I get it. Yeah. That's fantastic. It was a great game. Absolutely great. Legendary college basketball game. Congrats to Gonzaga. Moving on to the title game against Baylor. So I want to talk some Blazers today, and we have Hater Love it coming up at ten thirty. But uh, one more college basketball segment to come because I do want to talk about Mark Few. I didn't. I didn't get to answer your 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 statement from the second segment that we talked about. So. Just how important is this next game for Mark Few's legacy? This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.50 on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad, Joe with you. One final thought on yesterday's game is based on kind of what Rashad said in our first segment talking about it is just how important of a win that was for Mark Few. You know, we talk a lot about legacies and we talk a lot about respecting veteran coaches and, and who gets respect and who doesn't, or we just by default respect or disrespect certain coaches. And 
I think it is a fair conversation to have of whether or not it is vital for Mark Few to win this national title this year or not. Mark Few is one of the elite coaches in the game. He has turned Gonzaga from a frequent upset contender to a blue blood in college basketball. And I don't think there's one person who should deny that they are now a blue blood in college basketball. They may not have the pedigree of North Carolina or Kansas or Duke, but they are as good and will be for a very long time. As long as Mark Few is there, I suppose, and maybe even after that. But there is still a conversation to be had of Mark Few not winning a national title. Makes some sense, right? Because they were the underdogs a lot and you know, they, they made some late pushes and all, and all, all the good storylines that came around from that. But now that they've gotten to the level that they are, now that they have an undefeated season, now that the entire year they have by far been the best team in the country, it almost feels like if Mark Few doesn't win this national title, it's going to hurt him and how we view him more than anything else. And for that reason, I think it's vital for Mark Few to win this year, beat Baylor in the title game, so that finally he will have his championship. And just like you mentioned with Jim Beheim, who's only won one, and that was 18 years ago now, um, will be considered a legendary coach forever. And I think it is vital for him to win it for that. Do you know who has the highest win percentage of all time as far as coaches in national or in college basketball? I'm going to say because you asked the question, it's Mark Few. It's Mark Few. <laughs> you know who the guys that are after him are? It's Adolph Rupp, okay. John Wooden, okay. Jerry Tarkanian, mm-hmm. Dean Smith, Roy Williams, and Bill Self. Yeah, wow. I, was, I was just looking up the Gonzaga year-by-year records, and they've won 30 games every year every for the last, like, five, six seasons. Now, they do play in the West Coast Conference, which does not have a team that can contend with them it does, it, nearly at all. Not at all. Um, St. Mary's has been a couple of years close. Wait until you see this new Pilots era. And then BYU almost beat him this year. They played well for a half against him. Right. The new Pilots era with Remember? the guy from Eastern Washington. <laughs> uh, now, now they're the going to be were ranked and everybody lost their ass when the Pilots were ranked like within the top ranked? 25. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This when? was like, oh, my gosh. So my ex-wife's sister actually used to uh, graduated from UAP. And there was a year in there, <laughs> I want to say, for like the beginning of the season, they were ranked within the top 25 of the country and we were like what it didn't last long <laughs> but they were definitely in the top 25 it was an rpi pool <laughs> <laughs> just a random different pool. we'll take it no, but uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm right with you there with mark few like he's been too good of a coach as far as his record to not have a national championship and uh, to me that's the thing that really separates him from everyone else larry brown for years in the nba was considered a great coach but he was also considered somebody who couldn't win the big one Roy Williams, for years, was just that guy at Kansas that just couldn't get it done, couldn't win a national championship. And then he finally won his national championship, and it made everything okay. For the, for, for the rest of Roy Williams' well, Williams' career, he would be fine. Then he eventually ended up winning, you know, uh, two of them. And so he's, you know, I think two of them, right? Yeah, North Carolina, he got the, the Sean May year with all those guys. And then uh, how many does he have? Is it just one or two? I don't know. Is it just one for Roy Williams? No, he has two. He has two. Is it two? Three. Three. He has three. And he retired, by the way. Yes, he did. Uh, he has three. He has three national championships. I remember that. Yes. Three. Okay. So. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We, yeah. But, you know, you look at the left. Mike Krzyzewski's after Bill Self. John Calipari. Like, these are award-winning or uh, or championship-winning 
coaches. Mark Few, man, has to have that hardware just to be able to say that I'm one of the best. We know his record says he is, but he'll essentially be, you know, the you know the the Carmel owner, Allen Iverson, of college basketball as a coach because he just never got that one. And even if you go, don't get a college one and you go to the NBA and you get a, a championship there, that validates you as well. But for you to be this good for this long, I think you you have to win a national championship this year, especially considering you're, you're the team, the run your team has been on. Like, if you don't win this year, we're pointing more fingers at you now than ever. Now, I think from what I've seen from some Zags fans is that a lot of these guys are going to come back, although I'm assuming Jalen Suggs will not. But that means Mark Few has a chance to run it back again next year and have a similarly good year. But I do feel that even it's different. Like we, we talk about college basketball a lot and we say, if you make it to the final four, it's a successful year, right? Especially if you're a, a top tier team, it, it, the expectations change based on the level of team you are, you know, if you, if you are a middle seed team, make it to the sweet 16, right? That's a good year. You know, it might be frustrating to lose at that point if you're a good team, but you made it to the Sweet 16. That's a great job. For these top teams, it's the Final Four is different. It's you made it to the Final Four. Now you can say you had a successful season. I feel like for the Zags this year, you can't even say that. No. I feel like the Zags have to win a title this year for this to be a successful season. I don't feel the same way about Baylor. I think Baylor has had a successful season because they made the Final Four. I think Houston had a successful season because they made the Final Four. Probably way more than successful. Obviously, UCLA completely outplayed expectations but every once in a while there's a season where one team the expectation is title and that's the zags that is nothing else at this point considering that you've spent most of the season ranked number one you've ran through all of your competition you know in your conference you've you've ran through the tournament you've all these games that you had up until last night haven't even been competitive you've just pretty much been steamrolling people if you don't get this national championship at this point, it's a bust. You remember that uh, the Kentucky team a few years uh, a few years ago that got all the way to the Final Four game against I think they played Wisconsin, and then they lost, and everybody was like, "What a disappointment!" I think they weren't they were almost undefeated, so they win that one game, they go play from the national championship game, and then they probably finish the season undefeated, and they end up losing the one game they shouldn't have lost to Wisconsin, and that was a that was what? Like that was the uh, that was the Harrison Frank Comiskey year. Yeah, that was the Harrison twins when they played on Kentucky. Yep, yep, yep. So I mean, that's Andrew and Aaron. Do you remember how disappointed you know everybody else was in Kentucky for not making for them not yeah. making it that far? And they was like, man, we didn't lose a game up until this one. You guys are disappointed. So they're under. I'm not. They're under much more scrutiny than that because at least Calipari's won one, so he's good. Mark Few hasn't, so he has to do this if he loses tomorrow then hey man Grand i mean it was Grand still closer. it was still a good season but it, great season but no it one doesn't cares. it doesn't feel the no same no one cares and it how much longer if you're you know if you're the bulldogs you know uh you know president school president and everybody how long do you say man we need a championship we can't keep getting the final four every year and well, losing like that's not cool you're not going to make a change from mark few if you, you know he's one of the best coaches in the country you're not but. but it's been since 1999 and you haven't you've been to the final four every year you go every year and that's just, at this point, that's no longer a, a – it's become a consolation prize. I'm curious you. if we have any Zags fans listening. Do you feel as if it's a disappointment if you don't win the title this year? You know, I've seen some posts from Gonzaga fans on social media who were just loving this, right, because the Zags have not gotten this far. But do you – do you text in 503-250-1080. Do you feel like you need to win the title for this year to be a success? Or – 
do you just feel like it's already a success because of how well the team has played? Let us know. 503-250-1080 if you are a Zags fan. I want to get into some Blazers next hour. Huge win yesterday against the Thunder team that uh, were playing guys from the YMCA. And a really another embarrassing loss to Milwaukee the game before. So we have a lot to talk about there. We will get to that next hour. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. <laughs> 